Welcome to the Comic Sauce Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture. I am Henry Liu, and today I'm joined by Porfirio Rangel. Porfirio, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Henry. Happy to be here. Excellent. I'm also joined by Christian Diadamo. Christian, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well. So pretty happy to be here. Awesome. Today, we're going to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and we do have a lot to talk about here, so we can dive right in. Today is May 19th, 2023, so the movie's been out for a couple weeks now. We've had some time for the movie to kind of set in, and uh, we we've been able to process it, and we're going to talk all about it we are the comic sauce podcast find us at comic sauce pod on twitter and instagram and yeah this one has been a long time coming this movie yeah um guardians 2 came out way back in 2017 so we're talking about a six-year gap and uh, yeah, the first Guardians was 2014. So man, it's been nearly 10 years. And um, yeah, maybe we can start with some of the backstory. Why did it take so long to complete this trilogy? You know, fans were definitely wanting to see this movie. And um, Marvel Studios definitely wanted to produce it. Why did it take so long? Well, if you recall, there were some controversial tweets from James Gunn that led to his firing from Disney. Yeah, way back in 2018. So, I mean, I I think it's definitely worth bringing up this backstory because I feel like so much has happened because of it. Yeah. Um, hey, Perfirio, you want to walk us through this whole timeline? Yeah, um, yeah, it's like you said, it is a whole like, I feel like one day they're going to make a documentary about this because there's a, there yeah. was like a whole like um, set of events that happened. So to my best of my, not, of my knowledge and what I can remember and feel free to jump in to mm-hmm. like correct me or anything. But um yeah, back in twenty eighteen was yes. that twenty eighteen, um some tweets that James Gunn had previously like released back in oh nine stuff resurfaced and these tweets were they did not favor James Gunn. You know, they were he talked about um like pedophilia and like just other inappropriate stuff they shouldn't put out there on the web you know but i think james gunn like meant for it to be a joke and i don't want to like say that it's okay to say this but it was a time where people weren't as like cancel culture or like woke or like 
I don't even want to say this word, but like sensitive about like what was out there on social media and stuff like that. Like it was just kind of like a part of kind of it's a joke, you know, like get over it, you know, but, you know, like. Those tweets did not age well. I'll just say that. So Yeah. those tweets um, resurfaced. Um, Disney got a hold of it and was basically like these tweets um, don't align with our beliefs and stuff. So they fired James Gunn. And, um, you know, James Gunn did apologize. And he said, like, if anyone's worked with him, he's not that type of person that is reflected off the tweets that he said and everything. Like, he is very, like, a professional dude and um, not, like, a child molester or something like that, you know, like he was just like in the moment, I guess. Um, but nevertheless, Disney didn't want to be associated with him and they fired him. So what does James Gunn do? Like DC kind of takes the advantage and hires James Gunn to direct the remake slash sequel, the suicide squad. You know, Mm-hmm. and so he's on he he jumps ship from Marvel to DC and he he gets his hands on that project, um. But that's the that's not the end of the story with Marvel. So Yep. you know the actors on the Guardians of the Galaxy um franchise like Dave Bautista, Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana, like they know they've worked with James Gunn already with two. two films and they know how he is and they know that like he's not that type of person that is reflected out those tweets or anything like that so they actually made a joint statement saying that they would not work on Guardians 3 unless James Gunn was rehired and um, worked back on the project so feeling that kind of pressure Disney did decide to rehire um, James Gunn for Guardians 3 Now, the public, it was definitely split on that decision, but ultimately, yeah, Disney did cave in and um, uh, decided to come back and work on that project. You know, later on, like, what was it, 2020, The Suicide Squad came out, and that was a huge success for DC. Um, James Gunn later on released um, Peace, The Peacemaker TV show on HBO Max starring John Cena, and even that was a huge hit. That was a sleeper hit that I did not see coming. Um, and I think at this point, DC just kind of like saw the potential and like the success that James Gunn has with the DC universe. And Warner Brothers eventually just hired James Gunn to be the Kevin Feige. of DC, you know, as a co-president of the company. So DC, James Gunn is in that part, but here he comes back with Marvel and he directed this project and it has been a long time coming and there was just a lot of like behind the scenes drama that came towards making this on James Gunn's part. Did I miss Yeah, anything, Kenry? <laughs> I think you got <laughs> all the main stuff. yeah, I think you Well got done. everything. Yeah, and I mean, a big takeaway is that
the firing that happened in 2018 could you could argue that it was the best thing that ever happened to him right because yeah ultimately he still got to make guardians 3 mm-hmm. and as we're going to get into i think we all really enjoyed it um but it also led to all this great work he did with dc and now he's basically running the the dc universe <laughs> for Warner brothers so yeah just just a wild story <laughs> yeah, yeah it is but what's what i think what's also funny is that there's like a funny little mirror to a lot of like comic writers artists mm. they do something really big at marvel and then they leave they part with marvel and go to dc um such as like what happened with jack kirby yes uh um, yeah. jim lee mm-hmm. is is another like really big right. one yeah. do some big you get mad at it in marvel and create a clash they leave marvel they do something big at dc mm-hmm. and then they stay at dc so yeah this is definitely point. its own beast but it's weird how it's you know it's like poetry it rhymes <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh that's a good call it's a very comic book thing to do mm-hmm. that we haven't really seen in the movies you could argue with Joss Whedon, it kind of happened where he directed Avengers and then he directed Justice League, but not to this scale. I mean, no, James yeah. Gunn was a fixture at Marvel, and now he walks away with like the Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy and like not only great work he's done with DC, but like more to come, a lot more. Yeah, so. So the, the scale of it we haven't seen before. A lot of creative control also that he gets on his part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which He's I got think the keys to the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. That that creative control, I think, can be really important because as we've seen with the Gardens of the Galaxy trilogy, it really seemed like he got to make the exact movies he wanted to make, and the results were phenomenal yeah and i i think yeah like james gunn like you look at like his track record for both marvel and dc he just has like a really like great like imagination and um like just he knows what to do with like unknown characters you know like if you saw like the the plans that he has for dc movies for the next few years i feel like most of them stray away from like popular mainstream dc characters Mm -hmm. but you know like james gunn just has a way of making like lesser known characters and just like making household names out of them like he did the guardians he he impossibly did with the suicide squad Mm -hmm. and even like peacemaker i feel like definitely definitely like i feel like you know like nobody i did not care for a peacemaker tv show (laughs) and then like the first five minutes i was hooked and i was looking forward to that that show every week you know yeah yeah that's a good call out like we probably take it for granted now but a few years ago we didn't know who the hell star lord was we didn't know who drax the destroyer was we didn't know who the peacemaker is yeah so you know now like these are fixtures in pop culture right and it's all due to him he he brought these characters to light so that's pretty cool mm-hmm. 
Okay. So, like we always do, let's talk a little bit expectations going into this movie. Uh, you know, like we've been saying, a little different. A huge gap between movies. Uh, so we hadn't seen a Guardians of the Galaxy movie in a long time. Um, there was all this stuff. There's all this backstory, right? Um, so how are we feeling when we walked into that movie theater, seeing this uh, volume three for the first time? Um, how about you, Christian? What were your expectations? Um, there, there's. I think with like everything we just talked about, um i was actually quite nervous going into this movie um and i also think like i think with the last few projects with with the mcu i i haven't been as like hot on you know Mm -hmm. and like we we have talked to like in our last episode we brought the like superhero fatigue Mm -hmm. and so we kind of talk about and like uh, there's a bit of oversaturation here and so i was i couldn't help but be a little worried even though i I did really like Guardians one and two, and you know, all of James, you know, uh, Suicide Squad as well. Like all of James Gunn's work up to this point has been great. So, I think when I just when I would divorce myself from kind of the drama and some of the context around it, I thought, okay, this could still be a really great movie. So, but I can't help but have like a bit of uneasiness there. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Did you guys feel the same going into this or? Were you guys just pure hype? No, for me, I think, you know, I've been, you know, Henry, I know this has been a movie that you've been, this is the movie you've been looking forward to all year. We said that in our stuff that we're looking forward to in 2023. For me, I, you know, I I was kind of on the same boat like you, Christian. Like, I didn't care for this movie at all. You know, last time, the last few times we've seen Guardians of the Galaxy, like the Guardians characters, like, we saw them in like Endgame and Infinity War. They played a really good vital role within those two films. You know, like they mesh well with the Avengers characters. And then they kind of do this little side quest of being paired up with Thor. You know, we see them very briefly in Thor Love and Thunder. Mm-hmm. And that was. A moment that we could easily forget <laughs> yeah. and, not, and we don't have to go into it and then and then they make a christmas special of the guardians of the galaxy film and again like kind of like a completely like i don't care for this kind of moment i feel like with these characters so going into the film i kind of had that expectation like i really don't care like I'll watch it because it's the MCU, you know, and just I want to see how this plays out because, you know, like I had mentioned all that drama earlier. I thought that kind of drama was going to um, uh, leak into the film in terms of like the storyline just being hella confusing or choppy or or something. So I just came into the film with like very low expectations. Mm. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, for me, I know where you guys are coming from, and I I could definitely see where a lot of folks would have some apprehension for this one. Um, yeah, the the last couple Guardians appearances were just kind of okay, right? Thor: Land of Thunder, the holiday special, and nothing great, right? Um, so there's that. There's also 
like the whole DC thing, right? Like James Gunn has been doing DC stuff for a while now. And um, one could think that uh, maybe his focus was elsewhere, you know? Um, you know, James Gunn, I'm sure, is a professional. But, uh, you know, what, you have to wonder, right? You, maybe you got you got your hands in too many baskets here, right? Maybe kind of like, a, a, you know, with... Um, uh, with the, the the last uh, not not the last Jedi, um, Rise of Skywalker, right? J.J. Mm. Abrams, right? Maybe yeah. that's what happened to him. He just had too much going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. There's also like I keep bringing up this long gap. Like you know, he was he had all this momentum going, right? Guardians one, Guardians two. People are loving these characters. Um, you know, after, after six years, you, maybe you just like, it just throws off the rhythm or something. So there's a, there's a lot of little things that, you know, you could point to and be like, ah, oh, I don't know, man, this might not be as good. Um, um, but I wanted to call a couple of things out that had me pretty excited. And one is the, the panel that James Gunn was on at San Diego Comic-Con last summer, in 2022 um, i didn't attend this panel but um from what i hear it was great they released uh, a trailer for the first time and like from what i've heard is that people in the audience were crying you know cast and crew backstage were crying everyone was just like freaking crying right it was <laughs> everyone was like really emotional right and so that that kind of like piqued my interest i'm like whoa there's something there might be something really special about this movie, right? Uh, and then, in addition to that, uh, there was just there was just a lot of general buzz, you know, around release time. Like I tried to steer clear of as much as possible before I actually watched the movie, but I couldn't help but just hear little tidbits here and there, and it was all very positive. So, like when I when I walked into that theater, I did have high expectations. I was very much looking forward to watching this movie. So let's get into it. Spoiler alert, we're going to get into plot details, etc. And there are a lot of key moments in this movie. So yeah, you've been warned. Again, spoiler alert. <laughs> okay, so um, maybe the first spoiler alert is that we all fucking love this movie. We, we chatted a little bit <laughs> yeah. earlier. We all really yeah. enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So first off, I just want to gloat a little bit and say, <laughs> Perfurio, I told you so. Yeah. You were skeptical. I, 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 my faith never wavered, but yeah, I told you so. No, yeah. When I saw it, I after I got out of the theater, I was like, oh my gosh, Henry, like I got to like message him and be like you called it yeah for sure and i'll own up to it you know yes yes, yes. it's a good feeling <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah let's let's talk about why we liked it so much i think there are a lot of great things about this movie anything we want to call out right off the bat here i can start i can start um, yeah go for it yeah i mean first and foremost rocket i love the fact that this movie is centered around rocket i mean it's a little bit is is my own bias bias uh, he is my favorite member of the guardians of the galaxy mm-hmm. um 
but you know, I think a great choice too, because um, I don't know. It, he's just such a likable character, and what James Gunn does with his character in this movie is just brilliant. And mm-hmm. um, it's just oh, it, I love the fact that Rocket is the central character, and the fact that his story is such an emotionally powerful story. And um, there has been emotion with the Rocket character throughout the MCU up to this movie, but not on this level. You yeah. know, Rocket mm-hmm. has more so been a comedic character, um, an action-oriented character. Uh, but there is so much heart. There's so much love. There's so much emotion with this character in this movie. And uh, I love all of it. It is so great. Yeah, go, going off what you said, like, I think, you know, like, go, um, diving into Rocket's backstory, I did not think I was going to get ugly emotional as I thought I would get. Like, it was an emotional roller coaster. And, um, like you said, we know a little bit about Rocket from the previous, like, his previous appearances. But it doesn't dive deep into like what actually happened, you know, and the the shit he went through and everything. Yeah, you know, like yeah. it's hinted very briefly in the first Guardians, like how mm-hmm. he had that confrontation with Drax about like just being like a person or a creature that was like taken apart and reassembled and that kind of stuff, and then you like see you go to those flashbacks of like what actually happened and it's just like oh shit you know and it it's just um you know props to james gunn and the writing crew but it is just like really well like writing at its best to um to make us care about this character you know yeah 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 definitely mm-hmm yeah, like I also want to give a shout out to like Bradley Cooper, who did such a great job as Rocket. Like I, he mm-hmm. definitely had a did a great job in one and two, Infinity, like Endgame when you see him. But I think here, um, he does so he brings like a lot of like weight to this character, and like it's like I never thought Bradley Cooper would be like, such a great voice actor. <laughs> but I think he kills it yeah. here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, I think with this rocket storyline as well, it's like, I loved how dark it got as well. I feel like we haven't really seen a lot of that in the MCU. I think to the degree that we see it here. And it, there was times where it's like, wow, this is like borderline exploitive. <laughs> like it felt like it was like on mm-hmm. the verge of going too far at any moment. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I didn't always like every take, but I think that like it kind of helps. It made everything really stand out. Mm-hmm. Like it's really yeah. it didn't feel like something I've seen in the MCU before. This this real mm-hmm. this really like kind of heavy take mm-hmm. on Rocket Raccoon. But I think it like and of course we already give them no spoilers. I do love how it kind of ends with them like dancing and having a great time. Uh, I mm-hmm. think that that part at the end was very like cathartic. You know, it was a nice like release. Yeah. 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 I was uh, shocked how emotional 
I was from this movie, you know, um, I really welled up for real a number of times during this movie. And um, <laughs> when I got home, it's really funny when I got home after the movie, I wanted to give my cat a big hug. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, yeah, of course, I wanted to give my son a hug. I wanted to give my wife a hug, of course. But more than any of that, I wanted to give my cat a hug. And that I think that speaks to, you know, the effect of this movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it, it is. It has so much heart. So much heart. Um. Okay. What else? I mean, we can just kind of spitball here, but because I think there are a lot of great things about this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I want to call out is the hallway action scene at the end of the movie. Holy shit. Amazing. Amazing. Like this movie will be remembered more for its emotional weight than its action scenes. Um, But this one action scene is definitely one of the best MCU action scenes of all time. I think it is truly amazing i'm not sure how they shot it but it it is really cool you guys have any thoughts on that that scene i feel like it was i feel like it was a callback to like the first guardians movie like when they're on ronin's ship and like who was i think it was greed chris pratt and drax were like fighting like um, a lot of Ronin's minions and stuff. Oh yeah, okay, yep. Um, I feel like it was just kind of like Guardians, like going being like full circle as a team, and mm. how far they've come from those like small moments when they first teamed up to like actually like being like a full on team. But I do agree with you. It was a good. It was a cool action scene. And that's a good point that it resembles that a little bit, but it really is a level up from that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that fits because in that movie, they were like amateurs, right? They were just kind of figuring stuff out. But now they're pros, they're they're superhero veterans at this point, and and they really kick ass. And I, I love the way it was shot, the slow mo, and how each guardian kind of gets their little moment. And uh, yeah, really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like them at their their peak as a team. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and you could feel like James Gunn wanting to give the fans one last awesome taste of Guardians of the Galaxy action, right? And uh, yeah, it really really came through well. Like I really liked all of like the big set pieces in this movie. I thought they were all like really fun, imaginative. Like one thing I thought was a lot of fun, like towards the beginning, was when they went to the Orgosphere. The uh the flesh ring planet. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. it, there's like so it's so gross and it's so uncanny, but that helps for a lot of like these weird visual gags. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and of course that's where you get the Nathan Fillion cameo. And he was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's some like workplace humor there, you know. It's really funny. And, like the uh, animal planet too, <laughs> like oh, yeah. counter earth. Yes. With um like the just suburban animal life. I, th- I think yeah, the yeah. biggest like laughter people got was when Drax hit the little kid <laughs> with the ball. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that got the biggest like roaring laughter in my theater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the Guardians movies are known for their 
their uh, strange locations. And this town of Earth is maybe the weirdest of them all. Like it's populated by these weird, weird animal people. And they were like trapped in the 80s or something, right? So it was just all very surreal. Yeah. Um, yeah, one thing I wanted to call out too is, I think I mentioned this when we talked about Peacemaker, but James Gunn is like a real expert at at paying things off, you know, setting stuff up early in a movie or a show in the case of Peacemaker and then paying it off like later on, you know. Um, I mean, there, there are so many of these little payoffs all throughout the movie. Um, like just there are little things like Rocket testing out like gravity boots early in the movie and he actually uses the gravity boots at the end of the movie to help defeat the, the main villain. Mm -hmm. um, there's a star Lord's Zune, you know, his, his MP3 player um, that gets a huge payoff at the end. Um, yeah. Let me, let me talk, talk about the Zune a little bit. The, so one thing we haven't talked about yet, we, we should probably get into this at some point, but every single guardian of the galaxy has a moment where they could die right james gunn really messes with the audience in this movie right um your favorite character is 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 on the table and might might get killed <laughs> you, you don't know it happens throughout the movie um and star lord you know is not impervious to this he he has a moment at the end when he really comes close to death right and it's when they're like um, they're doing this mass exodus, right? Rescue mm -hmm. mission. And he leaves his Zune behind, right? And he goes back to get it. And it almost costs him his life, right? And um, I remember seeing that. And of course, it was like heart wrenching. Like, oh, my God, Star-Lord's going to die, right? Um, but also my thinking was, how fucking stupid is that? Like you're going back <laughs> for this dumb MP3 player. What are you doing? What a dumb way to die. Right. And then even that is paid off because then like, I was thinking like, Oh, you and your stupid walk man and your music, like, like get over it, dude. But the reason why he was going back for it wasn't so he could listen to music for himself. He was getting that zoom for rocket. And when I found that, I'm like, holy shit that is like so great you know and then again like a huge emotional moment i was like oh man he it's emotional and it likes it's it's like it almost completes star lord's character arc where he truly is selfless like he's doing this for his best friend right i was like oh my god this is so great <laughs> so uh yeah i love that and um yeah and you know speaking of the zune i thought maybe i I'd uh, pose this to you guys. Um, that there is a kind of a big change with the music in this movie, right? Guardians one and Guardians two really focused on these mixtapes that Star Lord's mom put together. So they were primarily the same era, right? Like seventies, eighties era pop mm -hmm. music. This movie was much different. We got music again, pop music, but pop music from like throughout the decades right um how are you guys feeling about that yeah it starts very, with like very, very different 
starts with creep by radiohead you know yeah. in the 90s yep. it's definitely yeah much wider it still feels very james gunn mm-hmm. um and so it, it definitely didn't have like the the cohesiveness of the soundtracks of one and two and how like they really really focus on like the 70s mm-hmm. but there were there were still some really good tracks in it um if i could bring up the soundtrack like you know I think I like the way they use creep at the beginning um, with uh, rocket, like singing it as he goes, as he like kind of walks through the, the like guardians home world. Uh-huh. Um, I did like, I feel like it's kind of funny that this is the second Chris Pratt movie I've seen with a no sleep till Brooklyn. <laughs> yes. Like, you know, montage. <laughs> yeah. One we just saw very recently. <laughs> yeah. Where that it's, it's weird that those two very similar things that. So, but so that one, I was like, okay, I'm starting a little tired of this song, but <laughs> Hey, yeah, like you know, boys. R- real quick on that, like that was a song they played during the awesome hallway action scene, right? It's also a song that we heard prominently in the Super Mario Brothers movie, which just came out. There, it's still in the theaters. Both movies are in the theaters, and as much as I love that hallway action scene, I too was like, "Oh, this one again!" Like, oh man, like why? how did this happen like someone messed <laughs> up because like it it didn't seem right because yeah I, I instantly i just thought of that that one scene in super mario brothers i'm like hmm why why did it have to be the same song like <laughs> two times in a row like this but it i mean me i too love the beastie boys and it is a great song so maybe i'll just leave it at that <laughs> i don't i i i think you know like i don't I think this is like a positive, but I'm kind of glad they steer away from Chris Pratt, um, Star Lord, in this film because I feel like the first two films kind of like revolved around the character. I think by the second film, I was kind of like whatever about it, you know, that whole like Chris Pratt and his daddy issues with ego, um, and everything. And so I kind of like in this film how they kind of gave like every guardian's kind of like a moment to shine you know mm-hmm. yeah. like you had like you kind of had like a character arc with nebula you um had like more screen time between drax and mantis mm-hmm. um there's even like you know like that one scene where like chris pratt's kind of like needs to get over gamora you know and so i don't know if Disney or James Gunn did this on purpose because I know like in real life Chris Pratt's in a little bit of controversy in himself you know so I don't know if they steered way of that if that was like a conscious decision or not but I appreciate that yeah like they steer away from like having Star-Lord as the main character and had a lot of um a lo- let a lot of other Guardians characters have like their uh story being told yeah good point yeah i think overall i like i like the music in guardians one and two a little more than than three but like what you're saying perfio 
I appreciate the the evolution of it. You know, mm-hmm. it can't be the same stuff all over and over again, right? It, sh- it shouldn't have been Star Lord's mom. You know, created a volume three that oh he un- unearthed like oh a third mixtape. You know, like, yeah. you know, going to the well too much, right? Um, and yeah, it just shouldn't be another Star Lord has daddy issues movie, right? So, um, yeah, I I definitely appreciate. Uh, the evolving of the characters and the story and all that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, I'm sure we have other stuff we really enjoyed about this movie, but we can certainly get into negatives now. Do we have any negatives? Is yes. there anything about the movie you didn't like so much? Okay. Preferio sounds like you got <laughs> something. Go ahead. Adam Warlock. Ah, yeah. okay. Go ahead. <laughs> say that too. <laughs> Like, you know, if you've read the Infinity Comics storyline, you know that Adam Warlock played a key role in defeating Thanos and getting Infinity Stones and helping out the Avengers and everything. And so, you know, his character was teased at um, the end credits of um, Guardians 2, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't show up in Infinity War or Endgame. I always kind of expected him to show up. Right. And so then when he was finally like... um, you know, like, uh, it was finally announced that he was going to be in guard in Guardians Three. I was like, oh shit! Like, like, is he gonna, you know, be like this? Like, is he gonna be a good guy? He's gonna be a bad guy? You know, because, like, in in the comics, he's a good guy. Tech, usually, right? I don't right. really know, but yeah. in 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 the way the the franchise, the MCU franchise, has set him up. They make him seem like he's gonna be fighting the guy, the guardians, and like, behold, like the yeah, the first scene, like he like is trying to kidnap Rocket, you know, um, and uh, he 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 doesn't do it, but like throughout the movie, he's just kind of being portrayed like as an idiot, you know, yeah. like he he doesn't. He's a he's a child living in in an adult's body. Like he doesn't know what to do without his mom's approval, you know. And it just seems it's like like for me, it just seems like oh, you're gonna make Captain America, but you're not gonna give him his shield, you know. Mm. It just it it. I just did not see like the um how they portrayed Adam Warlock within this film. You know, he's supposed to be like this like Superman like being and mm-hmm. he just he's just being like shown as an idiot, you know, basically. Yeah. Um uh, Christian, you said you were yeah. gonna agree with me. What do you what do you think? Yeah, um it feels like he just kind of like shows up does a thing says a quip or something and then leaves you know mm. and that just kind of happens like with like a couple times you know um you're right he kind of is like he's kind of an idiot and like he kind of has that like little cheesy one-liner um does like a pose you know mm-hmm. but it, it does feel like it was like kind of tacked on at the end it feels like something you could probably like take out almost entirely out of the movie mm-hmm Cause like, um, I heard someone say like, do you think, you know, when Starlord goes and grabs his Zune, he's 
icing up from the vacuum of space and you think, oh no, Starlord's about to die and then Adam comes and saves him. Um, uh, what do you guys think about this? Do you think it'd be better if that was Gamora instead of Adam Warlock? Mm, I think, yeah, I feel like it would have been more powerful if Gamora did it, just because like, it's like, oh, Gamora actually cares about Star-Lord, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. that would have helped kind of seal her character a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Also, we care more about Gamora than Adam Warlock. Yeah, We spent a lot more time with Gamora. But like, you know, kind of going off that, um, those series of events of what you're saying, you know, because there's like, I think like a few scenes where like um, the Guardians actually like try to like take out um, what seemed the high high oh, the evolutionary high evolutionary yeah the high evolutionary and adam is like nowhere to be seen you know he i feel like as powerful of a character he is he could have easily taken him out especially like knowing that um he is responsible for his mother's death you know but he doesn't seek out vengeance or has like no like need to take out the high evolutionary you know, so it's just like, like even like when um, who is it that saves him? Is it it's Drax, right? Or oh, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Like, like he's just totally shocked and just like, why are you saving me? You know, it's like, dude, like, kind of like, like get over it, kind of in a sense. But it's like, are you gonna <laughs> help out? Like, are you gonna like, are you gonna just like like kind of be in your emotions or are you gonna like actually like help them out because you have like fucking superman powers you know it's like what are you gonna do you know uh well i think you guys are making good points against the adam warlock character for sure i'm not gonna stand here and defend him so much but and i will say that yeah he is an idiot he's supposed to be pretty stupid right basically he's supposed to be this all-powerful being but doesn't really have any kind of like um intellect or uh, maturity right um he's a total loose cannon so you know from that perspective he i think it's somewhat understandable that he wouldn't really know what to do in a lot of situations. He's just not that bright, right? Um, and I like what I was saying earlier, like this movie just pays off everything. I think it kind of pays off th this character. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're given every reason to hate this guy for a long time, right? He tries to kill the Guardians of the Galaxy. He nearly does kill a lot of them, particularly Rocket. Um, but in the end, he saves Star-Lord's life, right? In a very heroic and, you know, surprising way. Uh, so th I, th I think that was... It, it was it was a surprise and it it was a big payoff right it's like oh this is this is why this guy was in the movie <laughs> and the fact that james gunn had him being a really and had him be a really annoying character and one that at times we were totally rooting against he like 
flips the script on us, right? It's like, oh, wait a minute. He just saved Star-Lord and he actually is a good person. And we can look at this character as um, this movie is like his origin story, right? He started off doing terrible things, but then he was shown the way and uh, he's on his way to being, you know, a bona fide superhero, right? So um, I think, uh, you know, I certainly disliked him as well, but I, I feel like in the end, we're, we're, we're kind of shown why he did what he did there there's a whole character arc there so i think i think it worked to an extent yeah like we will see him again i hope we do see him again um in like say like an avengers movie coming up mm -hmm. and i do think uh will poulter did like even though i didn't like uh, how he was used i think will poulter did a good job and i would like to see more of the character cool um Hey, what did you guys think about the villain, the high evolutionary? Um, my quick take is that in Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, I don't know, the template, I guess you could say, um, the villain is kind of a two-dimensional villain, right? Not a lot of depth and just like 100% despicable and like, not really a relatable person and he's just just like just a real evil dude <laughs> um what, what are your thoughts on this guy um yeah i'll start so yeah i'm a little i am a tad mixed on him but overall i think he was a villain like he's definitely like i was saying earlier the movie went like almost like too far with the animal cruelty it's something that like like it's very easy to make people uncomfortable it's always easy to like hit too close to home so, and like it's something like it's like you see it in a movie it's, it's oh man watch people getting killed all day but you see an animal get hurt and it's like oh my god why would you do that <laughs> yeah. i hate you so much <laughs> yes. and i think the high evolutionary that mixed with like his very pompous attitude made for a villain. You just like, man, I really can't wait to punch him in the face. Yes. I really want to see him get taken down, you know, like when like the, it's such a great moment when the guardians just really kick his ass at the very end of the movie. He doesn't even put up a fight. You just watch him just get beaten down by them. And you're just like, yeah, fuck you. I hate you. <laughs> yes. And so he fills the villain role really really well but he is like yeah, a little two-dimensional he just kind of yells at the end a lot you know yeah but yeah gotta say i really hated him <laughs> yeah uh what about I, you prefer you i will say out of all the the three um guardians villains i think i like this one the most i felt like he you, there, there was a reason to hate him, you know. Like I feel like the first, you know, Ronan, he was just kind of like typical, like bad guy. I want to take over the universe, you know. Very um, typical of the Marvel or comic book villain role. Then in the second one, Ego, um, I feel like he was just um, what's his name? Who played him? Um, oh, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Yeah. I just did not believe him to be a villain, you know? 
um like there was just like like one scene within guardians 2 where it just was like i hate this guy you know when he said like i had to kill your mom you know but other than that like i didn't really care for him this one though there was a lot of I feel like a good like mo uh reason to hate this guy you know if it wasn't for like rocket's backstory you know like he, like he had like a motive for what he wanted to do um whether it being like innocent or not you know like there was something he wanted to accomplish and then he just turns out to be like this like really guy that you just can't help but hate you know like he um He kills Rocket's friends, you know, and he decides to also just kill, like, a civilization that he built. And it just shows, like, the madness behind this character. And so, like, like Christian said, like, when the, the Guardians, like, beat him up and stuff, you just can't help but be like, yeah, yeah, fuck <laughs> him up, mess him up, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I feel like with this character... It's not that he like wanted to take over the world or the 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 universe as the previous two um guardians villains. It's so much that he wanted to like make a better galaxy, quote unquote. And if it wasn't up to his standard, then he was just like, "Oh fuck it, I'll mess it. I'll do it again." You know, like by any means necessary. You know, mm, mm -hmm. it, it, it was kind of like very similar to like um, King in Ant-Man 3, you know, mm, of just mm -hmm. like wanting to create like the perfect civilization, you know, and I right. feel like that's what made King or at least that variant of King like very like, um, I don't know if likable is the right word, but you just, it's like uh, you understood their motives mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. yeah well honestly i'm kind of surprised um you guys did like this villain um but i see where you guys are coming from like he is such a despicable person that it just makes defeating him at the end that much more satisfying right mm -hmm. and you know i guess ultimately that's why the villain works is because you you just feel so good when they finally take him out right uh it, it's almost like a throwback right when villains in movies were tended to be more like this back in the old days right it was um characters that weren't really fleshed out they were just really evil they did terrible things and you just couldn't wait for them to to you couldn't wait for the hero to take them at the, at the end right so again, it kind of fits what I was saying before about how there's all these payoffs in the movie. And yeah, this villain is a payoff also, right? He's so evil, so despicable that, you know, at the end when the Guardians finally defeat him, it is it is really satisfying. And yeah, man, like like you're saying, Christian, with, with all the animal abuse stuff, like, oh God, like it was pretty hard to watch and... Uh, you just could not help but feel like this guy is the scum of the universe, right? Just, just terrible in every way. Mm -hmm. Just a terrible, terrible person. <laughs> uh, and it, it makes me think of like, okay, like the the gold standard 
villain nowadays is the villain who is like not really a villain. Like they think they're doing the right thing. We understand their motives. Um, Killmonger from Black Panther comes to mind. Loki comes to mind. Uh, Wen Wu from Shang-Chi comes to mind. Um, this is a totally different kind of villain, right? This is not a 3D fleshed out developed villain. This is a very 2D throwback kind of villain. Um, but um, with the big payoff at the end, I think, you know, it's pretty effective. And it, it made me think a little bit, too, of of the first Guardians with Ronan the Accuser, another very, like, two-dimensional cookie-cutter archetype sort of villain and and the, the payoff it with him is at the end is that he's he's such a kind of a square villain like just a like a mustache twirling evil guy sort of thing <laughs> um it is really funny at the end when star lord's like he's starting to dance mm-hmm. and, and ronan's like what are you doing he's like dance off bro and it's just that contrast right of of like of Star Lord doing something really comedic with this really square villain, and it's just a funny moment. So, um, yeah, I feel like James Gunn isn't really going for like th- this character development in his villains a lot, um, but more so he's just like paying off the, the hero moments. Yeah, so um, I think yeah, it, it did work in this movie. Um, hey, real quick, uh, uh, speaking of Star-Lord, um, one thing that I, I had a bit of a problem with was at the very beginning of the movie, Star-Lord is like down and out. He's depressed about Gamora. And when we first see him, he's like completely drunk and like like over the top drunk. And it was almost ridiculous how drunk he was and how out of control he was. Uh, I thought it was just too much. It was just like, well, this is this is silly. <laughs> They're just playing this like way too over the top. Um, you know, I again maybe it was just going for the payoff at the end when he he has this really heartwarming moment where he he retrieves the Zune for Rocket. But um, I don't know. What do you think? I I thought it was kind of silly how, how how he started out. Thoughts there? Uh, yeah, I could I could see that. Um, I like it's. It's like he really wanted to James Gunn, I guess, really wanted to show like um Star Lord as his lowest point. Mm-hmm. After, you know, it's like Gamora died. Gamora doesn't know who he is, who he's uh, is now. She lost all her memories of him. Every and like he lost his mom in the last movie. So like they they really do start him off at like rock bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it didn't fully execute itself as well with the with the Zune. Um, but uh, I don't know. Like, I think they they really wanted to show it so they could kind of have like they have like a lot of anger to him in this movie. I've noticed like Starlord is so angry all the time in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Which um. I actually kind of liked, uh, I will say, like, I don't know, like, uh, it's like the weight of everything has kind of finally fallen mm-hmm. on his shoulders, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing, though. I, I'm thinking we're so used to seeing Star-Lord as this joking, happy-go-lucky kind of guy that I don't think they needed to go this far with him 
with the character to show that he's really depressed. Like if he's just really quiet and reserved, we know something is up, right? Um, so I, I didn't think they needed to go that over the top here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. I think that might've been a bit better take. Like... Uh, but speaking of angry Star-Lord, Star-Lord utters the first ever MCU F-bomb. Now, <laughs> yeah, pretty cool. Was this something you guys had heard rumors about or were expecting? Like, to me, it was a total surprise and a, a pretty awesome surprise. But what were your thoughts when this happened? Yeah, same. I had to, like, double take. Like, wait, he just said what? <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I, I, I had saw, like, a report that, like, Guardians 3 had, like, the first, like, Profanity word. Mm. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's because I use my everyday language. I'm like, I don't care, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but come on, it's a Disney movie. It's the MCU. Yeah. I, don't know. I thought it's pretty yeah. significant. <laughs> it is more. kind of a throwaway too. But basically, he's trying to get Nebula to come into his car, and she's having trouble opening the door. And it just says something like, get in the fucking car. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's so good. Um, so, yeah. Samuel Jackson. Right. Who right. says the first F-bomb. He almost <laughs> gets it, but he, he gets dusted. That's right. He was just about to say it. He was just about He was just <laughs> about to do it. And now after seeing this movie, Samuel Jackson is going to be pissed and be like, Nick Fury needs to say motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very unexpected. Um, yeah, you would think Samuel L. Jackson might be the first to say of the Guardians. I might have my money on Rocket to have said the I first F bomb. Yeah, right? I would have. I would have. Yeah, money on Rocket right. to have said so, it. Definitely unexpected. Um, so yeah, at this point, I think we can just kind of freeform throw out any more thoughts we have on this movie. Um, we alluded to. Um, how this movie is a bit more intense than the first two, certainly more violent. How do we feel about that? I felt that that was a huge tonal shift, right? This did not feel like Guardians 1 or 2 at all. I feel like there was just a lot of um, emotions within the film. You know, there's like two scenes specifically that I would like point out that I was like bawling my eyes out. You mm. know, one of them was when Rocket's trying to like um, uh, escape with his friends, you know, um, mm -hmm. Lila, Teeth, and Floor. Yes. And then they get shot. Oh my, oh my gosh. God. Yeah. Like I, I, Cause you know, like I feel like I don't know what you guys were thinking, but you know, like since they were introduced very early within the um, movie because of the flashbacks and everything, one question I had was like, "What happened to them?" You know, like did Rocket leave them behind? Did they escape and go separate ways? You know, and then like when that scene played out, like where like. Yeah, like Rocket um, lets out Lila, and then 
like you hear the gunshot i like i i just bawled my eyes out. Yeah. it was very emotional for me and then i think you know like yeah seeing the next few seconds play out how like they they keep shooting And Rock is just like avoiding the shots and everything. And he's like, let's go, you guys. And then he looks back and he sees them. It's just like, it's just a, a gut-wrenching moment. And I think what was even more impactful was when um, Rocket actually passes away, quote-unquote. And then he sees Lila in, um, in a, like, vision, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, you know, he's like, oh, I'm ready to join you guys and everything. Like, it's like, yeah, we're ready to have you and everything. She's like, but not yet, you know. And it's mm -hmm. just like, it was just again, like, fucking that writing was amazing, you know. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like, like, props to everybody who did that—the visual effects artists, the writers, the actors, like that was just probably like one of the most like gut-wrenching MCU moments ever, you know? Definitely. Yeah. Um, going back real quick to when Lila gets shot, that is such a powerful scene. And it's a great origin story moment for Rocket, right? Like all the little things we heard about him, little rumors and whatnot, we really get to know exactly what happened to him and everything makes sense, right? We know why he is the way he is. And, you know, when he, that, I think he picks up a gun for the first time in that scene, right? And he starts shooting people and he, he pilots like a spacecraft also. And it's just like, oh my God, this is, this is rocket becoming rocket. And so as, uh emotionally heavy as it is um it's also like a phenomenal origin story at the same time so it's just so powerful mm -hmm. so powerful and then yeah oh my god when when um rocket is about to die and he he cheats death essentially um man it, it <laughs> <laughs> you talk about like the 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 power of movies like you know, we, we, we've talked about this before, but, um, you know, this is why we go to movies. We, we go to movies to feel something. And man, did I feel something watching this scene? Totally heart wrenching. And and there's a moment when, like, I 100 percent thought that Rocket was dead. It, it was when Gamora was like, he's gone. He's gone. There's nothing we can do. Right. She's she's telling Star-Lord. Right. And I was like, if she's saying that it's over right it is over and like time is passing right like the, the scene is being drawn out and like rocket is gone he is gone yeah. and I, I was like oh my god like i'm just gonna have to come to terms with this somehow right <laughs> and then yeah. like james gunn is just like the maestro and he's just like playing us and brings him back and like oh my god when 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 he comes back um there was a huge roar in the theater i was watching it at and um there was just it was just like celebration you know and um 
yeah, it's just the feelings. The feelings were were is or something else, man. Something yeah. else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this movie got so intense with that. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Actually, because uh Lila and Rocket hugging was like that was in like the trailers and like commercials and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like you saw a bunch of speculation around like, oh, who's Lila? And like, yeah. oh, Lila's Rocket's girlfriend. Yeah. And you yeah. think, oh, okay. And so going into the movie, I thought, okay, she's going to survive too, but they're going to get separated. Yeah. You yeah. know? And so I did not expect <laughs> no, her to die and like to see mm-hmm. that scene, you know? Oh, like, yeah. Think... Oh, go, go ahead. You finish up, Christian? Yeah. I was just, well, I was just going to say it was such a gut punch, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, Going back to Lila, Lila real quick. Um, Lila in the comics is Rocket's girlfriend. And there's a, a little Lila Easter egg in Guardians 1 where um, it's in that lineup scene when the Guardians are taken to prison. Um, and there, there's a little like... Um, oh, yeah. Some, some I, messages I, on the screen uh-huh. saying like known accomplices. And for Rocket, it says Groot. It says Lila. Yeah, I was like, okay, that's cool. Like she's from the comics, and then oh, and she's in Volume Three also. So, um, I was thinking, oh, it, she must, she she must survive the the backstory, and we'll probably see her in in the present day scenes. So <laughs> when she dies <laughs> in the in the flashback, I'm like, what the fuck, you know, like. You know what you're saying, Fabrio. It's it's so um, heart wrenching, but it was yeah. also a surprise. I'm like, wait, I thought Lila was supposed to be alive, you know? So, so now I'm like, oh, is that is that like a plot hole now? Because if she died that early on, why would she show up on on that screen in on Xandar as a known accomplice to Rocket? Is she still alive? Maybe like, I don't know. Who knows? It seems like a plot hole yeah. right now. But to me, it was just it just made that moment like all the more surprising. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, oh, go go ahead, Profil. And I was just gonna say, like, you know, in terms of like, you know, I spoke in this earlier about like giving other screen time to like the other Guardians characters. You know, like I feel like this film, like, I really want to call out two specific characters: um, the sisters Nebula and Gamora. You know, mm-hmm. like Nebula is like a total 180 character from since when we were first introduced to her in the first yes. one. Yeah. You know, in the first one, she's a total like stone cold assassin. The second one, she like is a little bit like you understand like why she hates Gamora and all these like deep like um uh hate or yeah. not even hate, but like kill like vibes they want to kill each other and and they start making amends at the very movie right yeah and and even like avengers and endgame you start to know nebula a little of like why she is the the way she is and how she could use Mm -hmm. those skills to like um survive but in this film like nebula is just like a total like actually well-rounded character with like feelings and like um (laughs) and like uh emotion uh comedic um acts you know mm-hmm. yeah. and like 
Gamora, you know, like, you know, she's killed in Infinity War and we get introduced to her again in Endgame. But it's like you, you said her, Henry, like as somebody who can't, it, it's Gamora from a different universe, you know, so she doesn't have yeah. those memories that she shared with um, with Star-Lord, you know. And, you know, she's like goes missing after like the battle at Endgame and she's not mentioned in Love and Thunder. And then again, then she's reintroduced as a Ravager, you know, but somebody who has like no association with Star-Lord and stuff. I feel like the the James Gunn and the writers of the Guardians franchise just like really made good like sisterhood and wrote these characters nebula and gamora off really well you know yeah oh that's great that's a great call out um i wanted to add to that too um we really see the nebula character arc um full circle in a really great scene in guardians 3 and we talk about all these emotional moments throughout the movie i think this is one of the top ones also and it's the the moment when nebula finds out that rocket is gonna be okay when she gets the news and it's it's kind of a subtle moment but she you just feel it and and like it's almost like oh she has a heart after all right and it really is such a stark contrast from the beginning, like you were saying, Perfrio. In the beginning, she's like this stone-cold assassin, heartless, you know, just a killer, right? And then at the end of the end of the trilogy, she, you know, is has the biggest heart of them all, right? It, it's really awesome. And like it ties in, you know, a bit with um even the non-Guardians movie stuff, like Nebula and Rocket were the, the only Guardians who weren't um, dusted, right, in the blip. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they had that connection, right? They, they had, like, a little moment uh, in, in those movies, too. Um, and you know that there's, you know, something of a s- special connection with these characters. And uh, just to see that was was so great. I mean, I, 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 that was another moment that I, like, I welled up, you know. I, mm-hmm. I really It really hit me um so just just great stuff and i love the fact that it wasn't too over the top right it was it was kind of a a subtle moment that worked really well yeah it's interesting that like when you're bringing up like the history of gamora and nebula perfurio i thought like oh it's almost like they're kind of like their characters are switched in this movie (laughs) to how they were in guardians one yeah where you have Gamora joining the team and Nebula is like the rough and tough outsider, whereas Mm -hmm. now Nebula is the more grounded one who's on the team, where Gamora is the rough and tough outsider. Yeah. 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 That was a nice inversion, even though I don't think that was James Gunn's plan originally. Like, I think he didn't originally intend for Gamora to die, have died and have come back in this third one. And I think there's like there's a funny scene where they're in the elevator and Peter Quill just like explains all of that about what <laughs> yeah. happened to Gamora, yeah. his Gamora to the to the new Gamora, and it, he does it in this like angry, sarcastic tone. It's almost like James Gunn is saying it as well. 
yeah. <laughs> speaking through Star Lord at his thoughts on these changes right, and everything right. that's happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, oh my gosh, what was I gonna ask you guys? Like, what, um, what do you think of the new Guardians team? Uh, uh, it's uh, they're you know they're different. Uh, like you have Rocket, Groot, Adam, um, Sean Gunn's character with the arrow, um, Craglin, Craglin, yeah, and well, I feel I can't tell. I'm not sure if I'm missing anyone mm-hmm. or not. Oh, there's Cosmo, the space. Oh dog. yeah, Cosmo the dog. <laughs> yeah. and, and there's a little girl too, uh, Phyla. Oh yeah, like it'll be cool when they show up in Infinite Air, uh, uh, Secret Wars. You know, uh-huh. I don't know if I'd watch a mm-hmm. whole movie of them, mm-hmm. but you know, I've been surprised before. I didn't know who any of the Guardians <laughs> were at the beginning of Guardians One, and now you know, like you know, I've fallen in love with them. So I don't want to completely write off a new team, but uh, yeah, it doesn't really excite me, you know. As much to see a movie of. Yeah, I read it as similar to the end of Guardians 2, where you saw all these different teams who, in their own right, they could be a Guardians of the Galaxy team, right? And it kind of fits with the comics where there have been a lot of different Guardians teams, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. is just another one of them, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, we're all talking about the uh, uh, the mid credit scene where we're introduced to the new Guardians team, and yeah, I don't know if I'd want to see a full movie here. I think the point of it really is that, um, you know, Rocket and Groot are are doing their thing, and they've kind of evolved. Rocket's like the leader now, and um, yeah. and uh, the adventures continue. Right. That's kind of the point of that. But yeah, I'm kind of with you. You know, it's it's cool. You know, I think I thought it was a pretty cool mid credit scene, but it's like I don't really have any desire to see like a full movie or a show of of that particular team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, going back real quick to this whole idea of the Guardians being in constant danger throughout the movie, uh, I thought this was this was kind of inventive on on Gunn's part because. Um, it's almost like he's taking some insider knowledge and using it. Like he he's using the the audience's savvy against itself because we know what James Gunn did to his characters in the Suicide Squad. Right? The very beginning of the movie, he kills off like the whole team <laughs> practically, right? So we all know what this guy is capable of doing. So, you know, he's billing this movie as like, oh, this is the final movie of of this team. And this is like my swan song from the MCU. And right uh, right away, it's like there's danger. Adam Warlock is completely out of control. And we're seeing violence on a level we haven't seen before in a Guardians movie. And all of a sudden, we're like, holy shit, like, we saw what this guy did in the Suicide Squad. He doesn't give a fuck. He'll kill his characters. <laughs> he could kill our beloved characters, right? So he's using, like, our knowledge against us. 
and I got that sense. I really felt it. Like I, I never felt like all that comfortable uh, with with these characters all throughout. Like I was like, they could die. They really could die. He he could do it. He 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 would do it. Um, in the end, not a single guardian was killed, um, but uh, they came close <laughs> a, a number of times. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I, I thought that was pretty inventive. You know, he, he he knows what he's doing. James Gunn, he knows how to mess with the audience and he, he did it well here. I didn't think he was going to kill any of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, uh, like you, compared to Suicide Squad, you know, Suicide Squad was like um, rated R and this is Marvel. This is Disney. Like they're not going to kill any of the main characters mm. you know like how many avengers characters have they killed tony stark and mm. quicksilver i guess even the it's how death has happened he was only it in one happened. movie it's like one in like every few <laughs> movies like it's very rare but i yeah i didn't think um mm. he would he would do it see you know uh, the thing is for me and i think a lot of people is that I think we thought that one of the guardians was going to die. And just knowing that one could very likely die, um, then a threat to any of the guardians became a threat. So he, he just used that and, and, and just played with our emotions. I think, <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of my take. Yeah. I, I thought, I thought he was going to kill somebody. And because of that, it, everyone was, da- was in danger. Oh, I want to add this too. Like the vibe of the movie felt kind of like Infinity War, right? Infinity War, um, the whole movie, I was like on pins and needles. I was like, oh shit, like someone's going to fucking die. I know it. I know it. Someone's going to die. Someone's going to die. And then like right away, like Loki's dead. Like Heimdall is dead, right? (laughs) Uh, And like, and like, oh shit, like people are dying. And like, um, so. A sim- uh, I had a similar feeling here, so again, that 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 sort of led me to have the feeling that bad things would happen. <laughs> so, but that's movies, man. That's you know, a good, a good <laughs> filmmaker will will be able to, to play the audience in that way. So, mm-hmm. so kudos to Gunn. I thought he 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 put us on a roller coaster ride <laughs> for sure, emotionally, story wise. <laughs> action like he just yeah he 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 took us for a ride <laughs> yeah for sure um what do you like you know like i feel like we all watched guardians when it first came out back in 2014 you said mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 2014 like Indeed. i you know prior to that film i didn't know who the guardians were you know like what do you think like watching after this watching film and I think like just reflecting back on that journey of what the Guardians have done for the MCU like the first one the second one their role in Infinity War and Endgame like what how do you feel like to kind of close this chapter with those characters that we've um learned and come to love you know and learn about um 
So I think the the Guardian actually became like kind of a pillar of the MCU. You know, like because in Infinity War you kind of had two storylines. You had one of the Avengers. Uh, how's the team going to grow and change and get ready for the big threat that you know is coming at the end of Phase Three, Thanos, and the other big one is the Thanos storyline, and you know who's Thanos? What is he after? He's after the Infinity Stones. Mm -hmm. Grant him this strange unlimited power, and the Guardians were kind of the ones to really like prop up, you know, Thanos as this big overarching villain, you know. In Guardians One, you you get a taste of Thanos, uh, especially through Ronan, his general. Um, Guardians Two, not as much. It kind of fills out uh, Nebula and Gamora, some more characters. We also get the tease of the Soul Stone, which becomes a big uh, plot point in Infinity War. So, like, it's it's like this kind of closes the chapter on that kind of major part of the MCU, you know, even though it is just a trilogy of movies, it was such a backbone kind of the same way, like Iron Man was yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. Iron Man and cap, you know? Mm -hmm. So I am sad to kind of see this chapter close, but I think it closes really well. Yeah, that's a good point. The guardians have become such an integral part of the mcu you know not only did they have this great trilogy but they were key to the events that happened in infinity war and endgame you know like rocket went with thor to retrieve the reality stone from asgard he helped create the nano gauntlet you know like this, this this is pivotal shit, right? And the, the Guardians, you know, they fought in the great battle at the end against Thanos and his minions, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so th they're just just a key part of all of this, right? And it is pretty crazy to think that, you know, 10 years ago, nobody knew these characters at all. Mm -hmm. And now they are just beloved characters. And I think mm -hmm. that's their legacy. They're just beloved characters. When you think of Star-Lord and Drax and Groot and Rocket and all these guys, it just puts a smile on your face. You know, mm -hmm. you think of the good times you had watching these characters do their thing in the movies. And uh, it's just it's just good times, you know, good memories. And... Um, I I remember hearing James Gunn's approach to um, Guardians 1 and that it wasn't that he wanted to make a Star Wars movie, but he wanted to make a movie that made you feel like when he first saw Star Wars. Mm -hmm. So, okay, not make a Star Wars movie, but he wanted to, to, to draw those feelings yeah. out of the audience, right? And like he he's 100% succeeded right because yeah you know the feeling i get from these characters and from these movies is like yeah it, it's similar to those feelings when uh, i was first exposed to star wars as a kid it's just a happy fun feeling right so that, that's how that's my takeaway mm -hmm. yeah this is like the guardians movies have been like the star wars for a new age you know mm -hmm. yeah yeah fittingly guardians 3 came out on uh, May the 4th 
weekend, right? So I don't think <laughs> oh, that was a mistake. No coincidence. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, just a quick call out. Um, I don't think the Guardians movies are known so much for fan service type stuff. They have some of it in there, I think. Um, but there was a great fan service moment in this movie. And that's when Rocket declares himself Rocket Raccoon, right? Um, because all throughout the MCU, up until that, up until that point, he referred to himself as Rocket, and he even denied the fact that he was a raccoon. He's like, "What's a raccoon? Like, stop calling me that, whatever." Um, but then, through the flashbacks, we realized uh, that um, he actually is a raccoon, right? And then he does acknowledge it at the end. And it's such a great moment because um, it's sort of like a great character moment in that he he, like, he knows who he is and he's proud of it. Um, but also for comics fans, he's always been Rocket Raccoon. Like the name of his comics are Rocket Raccoon. That's what it says on the, on the covers, right? Yeah. He is Rocket Raccoon. People call him Rock, Rocket Raccoon in the comics. So that was always kind of a weird thing. Like, oh, he... He's, he's just rocket in the movies like okay well, he's cool so that's that's okay but it's kind of weird but now it's like oh shit he is rocket raccoon fuck yeah so i love that i love that so much <laughs> I, I was like fist pumping when that happened so cool all right so um let's get into ratings yeah um on a scale of one to five, what would you give Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? Do you want to go first, Henry? This is the film you've been expecting <laughs> all year. <laughs> yeah, I have been anticipating this one. So sure, I'll go first. Um, okay, so I was thinking about this. And I am a notoriously hard raider. <laughs> and... Um, I've called out some shortcomings of this movie, you know, um, you know, the drunk star Lord at the beginning is kind of a minor offense. Um, but you know, the villain was kind of a two dimensional villain. Uh, Oh, there's some stuff I didn't mention before. So I'll just call them out real quick. Um, I, I thought this movie wasn't as funny as the first two guardians movies. Um, I thought, yeah, it was, it was a little less comedic. Actually, I, f- I feel like the Guardians movies have gotten less comedic over time. I thought the first one was hilarious. The second one was funny, but not as funny as the first. And this was the least funny of the three, I think. So there's less comedy. So logically speaking, I would probably give this a four out of five. Logically, right? Using using my brain, thinking, well, it's not a perfect movie, so logically I would give it a four out of five. But I keep thinking of, like, the feelings I had watching this movie. And this movie, as we've been saying, is all about heart. It's It's not a movie you want to think too much about. You want to experience this movie. There is so much heart in this movie, so much emotion. It is heartwarming. It is heart wrenching. It is an emotional roller coaster ride. 
And to me, this is the most touching MCU movie of all time, period. Like I watching this movie, the feelings I had, nothing has come close, you know, and and there have been touching moments, touching movies in the MCU. You know, I think uh, I talked about Infinity War, how like uh, is similarly like an emotional roller coaster ride. Um, more recently, Wakanda Forever was very emotional for very different reasons with Chadwick Boseman and whatnot. But to me, this is the top, top of the list, the most touching MCU movie ever. And I got to I got to I got to go with my heart here, not my brain. <laughs> to me, this is a five out of five. And, you know, I don't even know if I'm if I want to rewatch this movie like over and over. But the night I saw this movie was very special and just an incredibly emotionally powerful movie. Five out of five. Wow. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> five out of five. I know. All right. Um, I think uh, I guess I'll go next. Uh, um, I'll give it the I guess. I'll kind of go with that little more logical take that you were saying, um, where you you do kind of have some stuff that detracts, uh, you know, Adam Warlock was a bit tacked on. The jokes didn't always land, so it kind of made some a little weird tonal shift sometimes. Um, not every not everything kind of like worked for me. It's more more nit- nitpicky stuff. I feel when I talk about it, you know. Because I think the highs are so high in this movie. The emotional beats hit really well. The action beats hit really well. The, um, like, just the character work is really well done. Like, and it feels like there's a lot of creative freedom here. And it really does feel like something special within the MCU. It caps off the Guardians really nicely. It, and, like, it really feels like one of the best MCU movies, I think. Um, Tom will always tell how this movie ages and how it will be perceived, but I think this really will be one of the big highlights of the entire MCU. Um, so I'll stick with four out of five, but uh, I think that's a very high praise. It's a very high four. That probably could change to a five later on, you know, maybe as I sit with the movie, see it a few more times and just kind of let it sit and just get better. So. Yeah, four out of five. So for me, yeah, like I, you know, like I probably said some like, you know, like bad things that it could have improved on, like Adam Warlock and um, I guess some of the storyline. But I feel like there was just so much other positives that just outweighed that you know like there was a lot of emotions a lot of character development a lot of story development you know that can that that was just it i feel like this movie like if this was like the the first piece of a trilogy like it wouldn't stand on its own like this is just something that's been like develop not just in the trilogy but like other mcu movies like infinity war endgame the christmas special you know 
And so I think that this movie was just kind of a love letter to the Guardians fans. And James Gunn's, like, um, appreciation for the characters and his appreciation of the fan support throughout the years. Um, so I am going to say five out of five. You know, I love how this movie turned out, the music, the characters, the 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 moments and stuff. Um I will say, and I, I think Henry pointed this out earlier, I probably would not watch this again anytime soon just because there's just so much like emotion behind it that it's something that you just don't want to um, like normalize, you know, without having that like, oomph, like effect. So compared to like, The first one, the first one I could watch over and over again and enjoy it, but this one I would just say like it, 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 it goes in like the top of my list of like MCU films. Um, it, it's a good movie to watch. All right. High praise for Guardians 3. High recommendations across the board. And, um, you know, I think uh, not only do we want to rate this, but uh, maybe we can um, talk a little bit about where this one lands in the Guardians trilogy itself and how the Guardians trilogy stacks up against other Marvel trilogies. Yeah, so... Um, do we have a rank in terms of the Guardians movies? I mean, I can start there. Uh, this one is my favorite of the three. Um, so I would go Guardians 3, then Guardians 1, and then Guardians 2. Um, and definitely uh, enjoyed all three, for sure. But uh, this one's my favorite. Christian? Yeah. For, or uh, uh, for you, go ahead. I think that I already alluded to it, but yeah, I think for me it goes Guardians 1 then this one and then 2 I think the ultimate decision of why I rank it like that is just like um, re rewatchability you know mm, like which one mm -hmm. which one would am I gonna actually like tune in to like rewatch again and have like the same emotions and um, not want to like uh, just like that like um urgency to be like yeah let's watch that again you know without yeah. like having like second thoughts or anything and yeah. the first one i think there's just like a perfect like mixture of like action comedy emotion behind it that doesn't get boring whereas this one not that if i watch it over and over again that it will get boring but i feel like it won't have like the same emotional effect you know like i think mm -hmm. both of you guys have alluded to this but like there were just certain scenes where like the action didn't land, you know, and some of the action scenes were, were kind of out there, but it's just something I would love to like savor and not have to um, lose that feeling if I rewatch it, you know? So that's the only reason why I place one over three. Gotcha. Uh, how about you, Christian? Yeah, this I, 
this one definitely has the highest highs i think the whole trilogy um but there's something about guardians one that just it's paced really really well um the like it's definitely like the funniest of the three as we mentioned before yeah and it just moves so well it's so iconic and rewatchable it like i've seen it so many times it's definitely like i think one of my most rewatched mcu movies mm. um number wars uh number two uh hits some of the same notes it's still good but it's not as it just falls a little flatter Whereas this, and this is the big emotional payoff finish, almost similar to Spider-Man, you know, the the homecoming, mm-hmm. the far from home, then big no way home finish, mm-hmm. you know. But I do love like the feel and vibe of homecoming, just the way I, I love the, the feel and vibe of Guardians 1. Mm-hmm. So, um, go ahead. Yeah, I guess as far as a ranking, um. It's like there's something about Guardians one I just love one of my top favorites that might still be number one for now, followed very closely by Guardians three, um, and then Guardians two, you know, at, at the bottom of the list, but still like a very solid trilogy. I think definitely one of the standouts of the MCU as as a trilogy. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. cool. So let's talk about that a little bit. Um... There are a number of trilogies in the MCU now, and uh, it's probably worth talking about. Where do you think the Guardians trilogy stands amongst those other trilogies? So, wait, okay, wait. I have ahead. a quick, I have a quick question. When so, when you def- is Avengers technically a trilogy, or is it? <laughs> well, I mean, there have been four Avengers movies, so I guess technically no. Okay, but I mean that since. There have been four Avengers movies and four Thor movies. I mean, we could we could include them in the conversation too, I suppose. Okay, and we're not including like just like like two movie sequels, like Black <laughs> Panther and and Doctor Strange, right? I think we should mm. leave those out. Yeah, yeah I think we can include the four. The yeah, but not the twos. Okay. So okay, okay. so let's go down the list. There's Iron Man, <laughs> Captain okay. America, Ant Man, Spider Man, Guardians. Mm-hmm. Those are the trilogies, and there's also Thor and Avengers, which have each had four movies. Okay. And we don't have to rank them or anything, but just <laughs> just, just general thoughts mm-hmm. about like where this lands. Yeah, like Spider-Man, Cap, Guardians. I think uh, you know of the solos; those are the three best. Avengers is hard to rank. Because yeah, those are the team yeah. ups between the other characters. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, of uh-huh. course, those are the big finishes. Everyone loves, you know. Yeah. Infinity War, <laughs> Endgame. Uh-huh. So it's like they always, always feel like peak MCU in a way. Because that's everybody. Everybody's here, and it's such a great yeah. finish. Yeah. But like, you know, that I and like it's hard not to just love Spider Man. You know. Hmm. He's mm-hmm. always everyone. You know, he's like the the big one. Yeah. No Way Home was so great, but I think you just got to hand it to Guardians for being like, I feel like that's those are like, that's like my number three, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, For me, I think, yeah, like Christian said, I think I'm going to have to like, just, I feel like Avengers has, I can't put Avengers on the list just because like, like Christian said, it's like the end of a chapter of each phase, Yeah, you know? Um, but Guardians, I feel like will be at the top of my 
trilogy list just because Thor like had some bad apples um Iron Man had some bad apples uh Captain America and Spider-Man were both good but I'm just I I think like ultimately I think like what makes Guardians really special is that they kind of were like the underdogs in like the MCU you know like 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 we mentioned earlier like James Gunn like made these characters that nobody knew about it just like made them like household names and just gave like phenomenal storylines and James Gunn overwatch you know each of these like movies and had a vision and consistent storyline with all this this trilogy where as like Captain America had there it was different visions and different storylines which not to say that they weren't good but it was just like they kind of I feel like they could stand alone And Spider-Man, I'm just going to say, like, the first two films, I was not the biggest fan. Only the third one. I was like, that's good. But Guardians, I feel like, which is, like, this, like, storyline that you kind of have to watch, like, all three to kind of appreciate the characters. And I feel like, you know, story-wise and character-wise, like, uh, that's really beautiful to see and amazing. Oh, I love that take. Yeah, I think I share a lot of the same thoughts as you, Perferio. Uh Yeah, first off, I do agree also that there there were some stinkers in there. Yeah, the Th the Thor movies. There's there's a lot of problems in there. <laughs> Ant Man movies, a lot of problems. Iron Man two and three. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, but yeah, it's it's gonna be hard for me to. to place guardians over cap or spider-man like th those are really beloved characters to me first off and um when we're talking about spider-man no way home and captain america winter soldier i mean you're talking about some of my all-time favorite movies never mind mm -hmm. like mcu movies but just all-time favorite movies and uh, as much as i loved uh, guardians 3 uh, it, not as much as either of those movies um That said, I, I share a similar sentiment um, where with Cap and Spider-Man, there was a lot of like MCU-ness to those movies. Um, Spider-Man, uh, Homecoming, and Far From Home, fun movies. Um, but I think what you're alluding to is like the Iron Man factor in those movies. Mm -hmm. Like Iron Man is so... prevalent in those movies it's like almost like it's not a spider-man movie it's like marvel team up featuring spider-man and iron man you know mm -hmm. um and then uh similarly captain america civil war a lot of iron man a lot of avengers yeah, we've talked about this before but it's it's less a captain america movie than an avengers movie right um so i think the cap trilogy is great i think the spider-man trilogy trilogy is great Um, but there, there is a lot of that, like connected to universe stuff going on. Whereas you look at the guardians movies, they can really stand alone. I mean, they are connected to the MCU, but they can definitely be their own thing. And that's really cool. And, um, yeah, I, 
I'm not saying that 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 I'm saying the Guardians trilogy is the best ever MCU trilogy, but it, it holds a very special place in this universe for me. No question, no question about it. it it's it's on par with the Cap and Spidey trilogies, I think. All right. Good stuff. We're going pretty long here, uh, but I did want to continue with our comics recommendations. And I have a relevant one here. Um, I'm sure a lot of people after seeing Guardians 3 are like, I want more Guardians content or specifically, I want more Rocket Raccoon (laughs) content. And I am a big Rocket Raccoon comics reader. I have read every single solo Rocket comic that has ever been published. Um, So uh, I wanted to give uh, my pick for what I think is the best ever uh, Rocket Raccoon solo series. So it's uh, from 2016. It's called Rocket Raccoon Grounded. uh, Five issues. Writer is Matthew Rosenberg, and the artist is Jorge Coelho, and uh, it's really funny. It's it's really funny. I, you know, we we talked about the emotional weight of the movie. Um, these comics are just like it's just straight up comedy, basically. You know, there 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 are some um, um, uh, there's some social commentary in there, but mainly it's for laughs. And it's it's a really funny series. It's basically Rocket gets stuck on Earth and he's trying to get the hell out of Earth and he really hates it. He thinks Earth is 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 terrible. <laughs> and it is it's like I said, it's it's really funny. Um and yeah, I think that's it. Um honorable mention, I know um the Scotty Young uh Rocket Raccoon comics are beloved and definitely i enjoyed those as well um i think i just think this one uh the the grounded series is is the funnier series so go out there and read some rocket raccoon and um particularly uh this one grounded all right with that we can wrap up the episode this is farewell from henry perferio and christian